Welcome to C3 Church Tubra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. beautiful the presence of the Lord who loves it who loves it I love it I just love it it's so beautiful when you can come into a church into a place where God is just breathe him in for a minute longer mm-hmm. we breathe in we breathe him in his spirit, you know, breathe in his spirit tonight. Hallelujah, we love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I look around this room and I just, just wonder, you know, can you remember a moment in your life like an encounter moment. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was a few years ago. Maybe it was a few months ago. Maybe it was the other day. Maybe it was an hour ago. Maybe it was tonight. Just for a minute, everyone in the room, I just want you to remember that moment. You know, we have people coming in here and beginning to cry, saying, I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why I'm crying. It's like it's the presence of God. But There are moments in your life, there have been moments in your lives, everyone in this room must have had at least one, if not more, encounter moments. Right now, I want you to grab one of those moments, a significant moment, and I want you to think about it. I want you to hold it like a treasure. A moment when you came face to face with the King, a moment when you felt His presence so strong on you that you couldn't move or you couldn't breathe. That moment when you faced heaven and you knew, you knew, you knew that you knew. Maybe it was the moment you were born again when you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the King had come into your life, changed you forever. Maybe it was the day you were water baptized. Maybe it was the day you were filled with the Holy Spirit. That moment, capture it right now, grab it, bring it back. Remember, remember tonight in Jesus' name. As you grab onto that memory and that thought, I want you to take your seats, hold on to it, hold on to it. We're going to dig it up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
You know, I can, I can, I can think back. You know, over the 32 years of my Christianity, and of course, the very first encounter that I had with Jesus Christ was the day I was born again. Profound encounter with Him. But how many of you know that that isn't going to last me 32 years? That's not going to last me until the day that I die. Yeah, I can keep going back to that and I can keep remembering it. And yes, that encounter was so significant that it sure did catapult me into my destiny, into my future. But I can't rest on that and just say, okay, I've had an encounter, that's it, thank you very much. Because how many of you know that it's human nature for us to forget? You know, this is what the problem was was with the Israelites and why they got stuck in the wilderness and why they didn't go into promised land living is because they forgot. He parted the Red Seas for them. He did the miracles for them. He sent plagues and and he, he released them out of captivity, but soon they forgot. It doesn't take long for us as human beings, as normal human creatures to forget. You know, sometimes it can only take us an hour we, we get, you know, we come into the presence of God in this building and we're just moved by God and, and you know, we walk out the door, we go into McDonald's, psh, God. And then we're talking about any old junk and, you know, in that moment, you know, that, that moment, we need to capture the moments because there needs to be many of them and we need to remember because they are like, they are like a... a A sequence of events that when they're linked together, work out your destiny and work out who you are in God. Not one encounter with God, not one moment where you encounter Him is for nothing. Everyone is precious and everyone is like a chain that links things together and actually builds who you are in God and Presses you toward your promised land that is in him and the fulfillment of that. Amen. Now, I just want to look at this scripture tonight because God's just had me meditating on this scripture for you. And I know that for many of you tonight, this will be a prophetic word that really pushes you into and prepares you for or uh, has you ready for your next encounter. Maybe it's tonight. Maybe it's tonight is that next moment that you need, that next moment that you need with him. This is in John 5, in verse 1. And I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible simply because the NIV left out a couple of lines that I really needed, which were fairly significant. And I'm going to take it up with them, um, wondering, why did you leave that out? That was significant. And it says here, this is a little story here. Later on, there was a Jewish festival which Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, There is in Jerusalem a pool near the Sheep Gate. Everybody say, near the Sheep Gate. This pool in the Hebrew is called uh, Bethesda, Bethesda, having five porches. In other words, there's five places that you can get into this pool. In these lay a great number of sick folks, some blind, some crippled, and some paralyzed and shriveled up, waiting for the bubbling up of the water or waiting for the stirring of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at appointed seasons into the pool and moved and stirred up the water. Everyone say appointed seasons. Appointed seasons. For an angel of the Lord went down at a, a 
appointed seasons into the pool and moved and stirred up the water. Whoever then, um, whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in it was cured of whatever disease with which they was afflicted. There was a certain man there who had suffered with a deep-seated and lingering disorder for 38 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. I just said, I've had numerous encounters with God over 32 years. I don't think I could wait 38 years. When Jesus noticed him lying there helpless, knowing he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you want to become well? Are you really in earnest about getting well? And the invalid answered, sir, I have no one when the water is moving to put me into the pool. And when I'm trying to come into it myself, somebody else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up the bed, the sleeping pad, and walk. And instantly the man became well and recovered his strength and picked up his bed and walked. And then a little further down it says, and afterward when Jesus found him in the temple, he said to him, see, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Here's this guy, he's sitting by this pool, waiting for the appointed season for his miracle to happen. He's been there 38 years, waiting for the angel to come and stir the waters. And you know, it's not such a bad thing waiting. You know, I don't have that against this guy. It's not a bad thing waiting. Because I think that we, if we're going to position ourselves for an encounter with God, the very first thing we need to do is that we have to recognize that we have a need. Do you know that, that as Christians, you know, we can just be Christians and just, you know, just be ordinary. You, you can live an ordinary Christian life if you choose. You know, you can accept Jesus and you can just go through the motions and get to heaven. Yeah, you can do that. But there are those who say, I want more. I recognize that I have a need. I recognize that I have a hunger. I recognize that I have a thirst. Where just getting to heaven is not enough for me. That I want to know Him. That I want to position myself for the next encounter. I have a need. Now, your need might be just be that you're just a little dry right now. I have a need. You recognize it. I'm dry. I have a need. I need to go somewhere and wait. I have a need. Your need might be that, you know, you're financially you're struggling. I have a need. And you recognize it. And you recognize that the only one that can fulfill that need is Him. So the first thing we need to do to position ourselves is that we need to recognize the need, the need that moves us to seek. You can have a need and then fill that need with other things, like Pastor Phil was saying this morning. You can have a need and just say, well, I'm sick, I'll just go to the doctors, I'll just take more vitamins, I'll just take more pills. You know, you may have a need financially and you just try and fill that need yourself by working more hours and working overtime and, you know, killing yourself trying to do it. 
You know, you may have a relationship need and you just say, I'm just going to go meet someone. I'm going to go where they are. I'm going to go into the world and go into a club because I'm sick of waiting for somebody to come for me. You may have a need and try and fulfill it your way. But the thing is this, if you recognize the need, then the second thing you need to do is to wait for the stirring of the water. You need to go to a place where God is. You need to go a place where you know that there is a miracle waiting for you. You need to go to a place where you know there's miracles that have happened before. You know, where did you find your last encounter with God? Was it in the busyness of life? Was it in the racing of life? Was it in your, you know, your everyday craziness? Or was it in the still, quiet place? Was it in that moment when you stopped? Was it in that moment when you stopped and you, and you got by the water? You know, the Bible says he leads me beside still waters. You come before the waters to wait for the stirring of the water. There needs to be a place where you come. There needs to be a place where you come and you wait. Maybe it's coming to church, you know. You know, I was talking to one of the young girls just now. And, you know, I, somebody said, she's coming. No, she's not coming. She's coming. No, she's not coming. And it's like, you know, she's, she was coming, but the person that she was coming with isn't coming now, so maybe she's not coming. And then she walked in. I said, you came. She said, you know what? You know, I, I usually don't come if she doesn't come, but I decided tonight I need to go. I just need to go. And she just got up and came. Like, she says, I know I need to get to the place where there's a stirring in the water. I need to get, I can't be a normal person. I can't just go through the motions of life. I have a need, therefore I need to go to the place where I've seen the stirring of the water before, whether that's church, whether that's your bedroom, where you get on the floor like I do on my face before God and I shut the door and I shut everything out and I put my worship music on and I go to that place where I know where I'll find the stirring of the water. I'm not content. I'm not content with where I am and the need that I have, I need to go to the place where the water is going to be stirred. Amen. And the third thing is this. You need to come to a time of no more excuses. You know, when, when Jesus came to him and saw him lying there in verse 6, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to, do you really want to get, do you really want an answer? You've been in this condition for a long time now. You've been dry for a long time. You've been sick for a long time. You've been tired for a long time. You've been depressed for a long time. You've been, you know, going through the motions of Christianity and your Christian walk for a long time now. Do you really want to get well? Or are you just sitting here? Are you just coming to church and just sitting where you know the water's going to stir, but you don't really want to get in? You're just going through the motions. And Jesus asked him, do you really want to get well? And sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool. And when the water is stirred and I'm trying to get in, someone else goes in ahead of me. And you know, How many excuses can we make? How many times can we make excuses 
before we just get sick of our own excuses and, you know, yeah, I'm tired, yeah, I'm dry, but, you know, I worked really hard this week and I haven't had a chance to be with God and, you know, I work really hard. You know how hard I work? And my boss wanted me to do overtime. I can't know what he wants me to do overtime. Oh, you know, I've got four screaming kids around my ankles. You know, I never get a minute to myself. <laughs> the house a mess. <laughs> or, you know, every time I go there and, you know, I go to church and somebody else gets on the altar call before me and they get touched and I just stand there, I feel nothing. You know, how many excuses can we make? How often can we make these excuses? Do you really want to get well? Do you really want the next? Wow. I find it astounding that you can experience God, we as human beings, we can experience God and be totally blown away and then forget all about that and go back to normal life and just even lose our hunger for that again. Even forget. We can even forget what it feels like when... Yeah, I kind of had an encounter back there. It was, and this is what happens to us. We just get in our wilderness place and it's like, I remember the parting of the Red Sea briefly. That's why they wrote it down. They wrote it down. And then they, 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 they had whole festivals around these things. So they would remember. You know, uh, Bill Johnson, you know, Incredible man of God, doing incredible things in the world, teaching Christians and the body of Christ how to lay hands on the sick and, and be the body of Christ and do all the stuff that we're supposed to be doing. Incredible man of God. And I look and I think, what keeps you going? What keeps you going all these years and all the stuff and all the stuff you must go through? How do you stay on fire? Every time I see you, I want to cry when you preach. There's something on you. What keeps you in that place? And he says that, one of the things that he does is that every prophetic word, every, every encounter with God that he has, he writes down. Every prophetic word that he got, he writes it down. He has a prophetic box right next to his bed. And, and he says, he takes it from a scripture, I think it's in Timothy, where it says, remember the prophecies that were made about you because with them you can wage a good war. And so he, he, he wakes up in the morning, he feels like, you know, when you wake in the morning, you feel like you've been through that whole, you know, the washing machine experience in your sleep, in your dreams, and, you know, being attacked from every way, and you just can't find the peace of God. He opens the box, gets one out, reads it to himself, and prophesies to himself, and reminds himself what God has said. This is what God has said about me. This is what God has said about where I am going. This is the last encounter I had, and it means something to me, and it's building something. We have to remember, no more excuses. No more excuses. No more excuses. Get them out. Write them down. Stick them on the fridge. Dance over them. Jump over them. Sing over them. Proclaim them. Declare them. And then the fourth thing we need to do is this. We need to recognize who he is. 
You know, you know, it said later on in that scripture, the man didn't even know who had healed him. He had to go and ask someone, who was that that healed me? You know, oh, that was Jesus. Do you know what? You need to have a place where you recognize that he is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords, that he is the mighty God, and that he is waiting for you. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the mighty God, the maker of heaven and earth is waiting for you by a pool. He sees your need. He sees your hunger. He sees your desperation. And he runs to you to meet you there. And there comes a time where we need to honour and recognise that he is there. You know, in the worship tonight, you know, there comes a time, there comes a place where you just shut it, shut it all out. The people, the surroundings, what's going on, what happened yesterday, what to have dinner, what I'm not going to have dinner, what I am going to have, all the stuff, just shutting it all out and just standing before him because he deserves it. Because He's worthy of it. He is worthy of me to stop and recognize who he is. See, we forget who he is even. We can even forget who he is. We go, Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah. You know, there's that song that Jesus called to sing. I love that. I want to talk about him like you're in the room. I want to talk about you like you're in the room. I want to sing to you like you're actually here. Because he is. See, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. If you could see in the spirit realm, when we're worshipping him, even right now, if you could see in the spirit realm and see the King of kings and the Lord of lords standing right here, how would you react? What would you do if you would just recognize that he is here? In Matthew 16, 15 to 17, we see Jesus and he's talking to Peter. And he says, what about you, Peter? You know, they say that I'm a prophet, that I'm John the Baptist, and I'm this and I'm that. He says, Peter, who do you say? Who do you say that I am? And Peter said this, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Father, give us eyes to see. Father, give us eyes to see. Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our lives to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who stands before us waiting to stir the water. The fifth thing that we need to do is surrender at his feet. 
So we can start at his feet. We can start at his feet. It's a good place to start. And just throw yourself at his feet. Look at this guy in Mark 5, 22. He says, Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. When you recognize who he is, you just want to fall at his feet. You just want to touch the feet of Jesus. What about the woman, the issue of blood? You know, she's got this this illness, she's got this bleeding that she's had for years. I think it was 12 years. No one can heal her. She's spent all the money. She's been to all the the people, all the doctors, all the, you know, medicines and so forth and wasted all the money. And she hears Jesus is coming into town. And she knows that that if she gets caught in this condition that she could be, you know, she could be, she could be killed because she's not supposed to be in a public place while she's bleeding. But she's been bleeding 12 years and she's desperate. She's going to position herself. Where does she position herself? He's, there's a crowd right around him. There's such a crowd. They're pushing in against him. Such a crowd pushing him. She gets down on her hands and knees. She crawls through the crowd. She crawls through the crowd and it says she finds the edge of his cloak. (laughs) To find the edge of his cloak, she has to be at his feet. Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples said, you crazy? He said, no, I felt power go out from me because she surrendered at his feet. It's awesome. What about Legion? There was a man He had a whole legion of demons and he's in this graveyard and he's crazy and he's naked and he's, he's, you know, no one can go near him and he's absolutely mad and Jesus is coming across the water and he screams out to him, rah, 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 you know. And and Jesus reveals that he's got a legion of demons. How many is a legion, somebody? 2,000, 3,000, I think. It's it's in the thousand, huh? Three? Oh, 1,000, maybe. That's conservative. I reckon it's two or three. But anyway, it's a lot. You know, and some people say, oh, you know, I'd really like to go to Jesus, but I've got this stronghold that's stopping me. Anybody got a legion? Uh, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Anybody got a legion here? Put up your hand right now. We'll find some pigs and send them into the pigs. But Here's this guy who's got a legion of demons. He's out of his mind. He's naked. He's crazy. No one can go near him. But he sees Jesus. And look at what he does. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. With a legion of demons inside of him, this guy still had enough willpower to throw himself where he knew he could get the help straight to the feet of Jesus. It's in the surrender. What about Mary Magdalene? You know, she knew she, she had no hope. She had no hope at all. She's, she's a, she's a they, they call her a woman of the night. 
And, and there was no hope for her ever to be redeemed from that. She was labelled, she was marked, she was a woman of the night. All she had was this alabaster jar. That's all she had. And this was her dowry, this is her life savings, that's all she had. And she thought, I, I just gotta, I've just got to take what, everything that I've got, everything that I've got, and I've got to throw it at my one chance. And she pushes through. She's in, they're in the Pharisee's house. They're staring at her. This woman, what is she doing in my house? She doesn't care. She just got to get to the feet of Jesus. I've just got to get to his feet. She runs in. She throws herself. She breaks it on his feet. She cries tears on his feet. She washes her feet with her hair. Total surrender. Pharisee said, if you knew what type of woman this was that was touching you, oh, Jesus knew what type of woman she was. She was going to be the greatest disciple that ever lived. The greatest female disciple that ever lived was right at his feet, right then, having an encounter with him. He lifted up her chin. He lifted up her chin. Go sin no more. It was all in the surrender. It's all in surrender. Do you really want to get well? It's in the surrender. Number six, the healing, the answer, the change empowered by grace. Bethesda, the pool of Bethesda, remember I said it was by the sheep gate? I thought that was kind of cool because I kind of think there's a lot of the church that needs to get into that pool. There's a lot of sheep that need a wash. There's a lot of sheep that need an encounter with God. And right near the sheep gate, right near the church, right in the church, there should always be a pool that's ready to be stirred by the Holy Spirit. Don't you agree? And that, that pool there, um, where am I? Bethesda is an Aramaic word. It means house of mercy, house of grace. And I think this is the most beautiful thing. This is the most beautiful thing. That when you throw yourself at the feet of Jesus, and you come to that place of an encounter, he will always meet you with mercy. He will always meet you with grace. He is not the judge that's waiting to judge you. He's not the one that's waiting to punish you. He's not waiting to point out your faults. He never is like that. When you come to him like that, like Mary Magdalene came and threw herself at his feet, did he just lift up to you? I know what kind of woman you are. No, that was the Pharisee that did that. Jesus just lifted up her head. Go, sin no more. He didn't even say anything about who she was or what she was or how bad she was or how much she needed to pay for what she had done. She paid the price in full when she threw herself at his feet and the healing came the answer came the change came that was empowered by grace that was empowered by mercy never be afraid to throw yourself at the feet of Jesus the enemy will say to you you can't come to him if he knew what sort of person you were he would never come near you he would never touch you if he knew what kind of things you'd been up to, if he knew where you were at, you can't come to him. But he's, this, this, this pool, it's called the house of grace. 
house of mercy. That's where Jesus waits for you, in his house, this house, in your house, wherever your encounter is going to be. It's a house of grace and it's a house of mercy. And then number seven, there's the moment that you go eye to eye with him. You know, you don't have to stay on your face, on the floor, at his feet. There's a moment where you lift your chin and he looks into your eyes. It's the moment when you see what he sees in you. (laughs) Let me say it again. Listen to that. Listen. It's the moment that you see what he sees in you. But when you look into the eyes of grace, when you look into the eyes of mercy, when you lift your chin up from that place of surrender and realize that there is total acceptance, when you look into the eyes that tell you who you are, When you look into his eyes, you see a future and a hope. When you look into his eyes, everything just melts away. The dryness, everything, the problems, the, the stuff, it just all melts away. When you look into the eyes of the one who loves you, the one who died for you, when you look into the eyes of eternity, you'll see in him. The moment that you go eye to eye, number eight, then comes the infilling. You know, we used to sing a song, you know, just one touch of your glory and I'll never be the same. I believe this, I believe this, in these encounter moments, they're so precious They're so precious. You don't want to miss them, eh? You know, the Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And there are moments, seasons. Remember it said, waiting for the angel to stir the water. What was the word that he said? An appointed seasons. Yeah. There are, there are appointed you know, you know, he has a book in heaven. And, and this book has got your life written in it, Jane. Do you know that? It's written down. And in that book, he has appointed seasons. These are the seasons that I'm going to give to James. This is, I'm going to give him an encounter here. This is where he's going to find me for the first time. Then I'm going to give him an encounter. Here's where he's baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember that day. And this is the encounter here, you know, where he's, you know, he's going to get a bit dry, but I'm going to come to him. He's going to, I'm going to, he's going to fall in love with me all over again. He's going to be passionate for me again. And this is the encounter here where, you know, he's just like got caught up with stuff. And, you know, and I just went and grabbed him and said, remember me? This is the, you know, these are the, these are written. They're written in a book. Appointed seasons, appointed times that he's written in a book for each one of us. And we can miss them. 
don't know. I don't know, you know, if we miss one of those, do we get it back? I don't know. We'll find out that later. I don't know. Or do we just skip that one and he gives us a double whammy next time? I don't know. But all I know is this, that I'm so hungry for him, that I'm so desperate for him, that I don't want to live my life not being filled. You know, there's an old saying that we used to say in revival, and Pentecostal revival. It says, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled every day with the Holy Spirit because you leak. And it's so true. You know, we can't just have one infilling or an occasional infilling. I'm so hungry for him right now in my life. I'm seeking him more than I've ever sought him before. Because I feel like even as a church community, as a church on the whole, I think we could miss something if we don't get hungry right now. If we don't get desperate right now, we could move one of the we could miss one of the greatest waves of God that the earth has ever seen. It could just go straight over the top of us and we won't even feel it. I want to be there, don't you? I want to be there. I want to be right on the edge of that wave, ready to catch it. Just one touch, and you've rearranged me. Just one touch, you've rearranged me. You know, your life can be shattered. It can be in pieces. It can be in a mess. It can be like a jigsaw puzzle that needs to be put together. And he could touch you, and it goes, and suddenly everything makes sense. All the things you were whinging about and complaining about and the things that, you know, were important to you yesterday aren't so important today because you've had that one touch. You've been filled. Number nine, the strength and conviction to stand in the promise. You know, you can't, you go from the feet You look into the eyes and he lifts your chin and then he takes your hand. He says, stand up. You know, he says to this man, get up. Stand up. It's time to stand in faith. It's time to stand up into your encounter. It's time. You can have an encounter and just still stay there. The water was stirring, the water was stirring, and he just sat there and watched it for 38 years. You can watch other people have encounters. You can watch God move. I've been in revival meetings where God, we, oh, we've been in meetings where God, the presence of God is so strong, you can't even sit in a chair. James, you have to get on your face on the floor. People are crying, people are screaming, people are laughing, people are dancing. There's out of control, total chaos, incredible, beautiful chaos. God's moving everywhere and it's like, oh my God, you know, this is like being caught up in a whirlwind of God. And at one encounter meeting, I look next to me and there's an old lady knitting. Totally bored, totally bored, knitting. And I felt like going up and going, what is wrong with you? Like, can you not feel this? No, she's sitting by the pool 
watching it get stirred. Everybody else goes in. Um, I can't get in. No one will get me out. You know, I just got to finish this scarf anyway. (laughs) There comes a strength and a conviction to stand in the faith of the miracle maker. Do you know, as Christians, we receive something. We go, we, we have a need. Okay, we have a need. We recognize our need. We go to the place where we wait. You know, we're waiting on God. We're waiting for the water to stir. We, we, the water stirs. Jesus turns up. There he is. He's before us. We fall at his feet. We look into his eyes. And then we stand up on our feet. And then we get the revelation. Do you know what? I'm not just seeking him. I'm not just looking at him. I have become like him. I've stood up into him. Through this encounter, I have become more like him. He is more in me and I am more in him. And we are more in our Father. We have become one through this encounter. And, you know, we can become soloists so easy. We can become out there. We can just become, you know, just disconnected. And these encounters, they bring us back into unity with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And they stand up on the inside of us and we stand up into him again in these encounters. And the last one, number 10, is the anointing and the increase for impartation. John 5, 15 says, The man went away and told the Jews, That is Jesus, the one who made me well. Christ through you then and to others. We don't just stand up into the faith of the miracle worker. Then we actually walk in the faith. We actually start to walk in his shoes. We actually start to take the encounter that we have had and change the atmosphere around us and impart healing to other people. We become the pool that we've sat by where other people are looking for a pool of water, other people are looking for an encounter, a miracle. We become the place of miracles. We become the giver of life through Jesus, through us. Amen. You know, all of this came about, this, this whole, this whole uh, message came about through me listening to a song. I want to play this song to you and, you know, I want you to do what you feel you need to do during the song. If you feel like you need to come onto the altar, get on your knees, get on your face. If you want to just sit in your chair and just meditate, if you feel like you need to stand up and worship God, please have the freedom to do that for these few minutes that this song plays and take the time to just find God. Amen. I'm believing right now that as this song is played, that many of you are going to have that encounter that you so desperately need. I'm asking your Holy Spirit tonight that you come and you stir the water. Stir the water. Thank you, Lord.
sitting here for my life to change when the water stirs you can rearrange me just one touch is all I need I've nothing much but the wounds I've healed I've come to find the hand of a miracle man
position ourselves to find you, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.